Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Prep Life Podcast. This is Lee Marie, and I am here with Amy Anger and a very special guest, Celeste Rains Turk. Welcome. So I know, Celeste, you've been on the podcast before, but if this is your first time listening or finding out about Celeste, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> let me just let give you a little brief background on how awesome she is. She is a national certified counselor. She is equipped with a bachelor's degree in psychology and a master's degree in clinical health, mental health counseling. She's dedicated her mission to helping others build more than just a body. So Celeste draws on her academic background, personal insights, and a wealth of experience working with thousands globally. Her focus is on guiding individuals to make peace with food and their bodies without sacrificing their fitness goals. So unique to the fitness and bodybuilding industry, I know too, I've been, I've like taken some of your courses at the Glam Girl Retreat last year. And I love how you have this holistic um, mental health, but you're also, you know, you have all the qualifications, you know, you have the background in counseling, psychology, all of that, that stuff. But as a competitor yourself, you understand the unique place that competitors are in and how our bodies are basically our job. And so it does put that unique spin on that. And you handle that so well in such a way that I have never seen handled before in this industry. And I'm so excited to have you back. So welcome, Celeste, to the Prep Life Podcast. Thank you so much. That was an awesome intro and I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you back. Um, Celeste, we're going to be seeing each other soon, all three of us actually, um, at the Women's Workshop. So listeners, if you are going to the MPC Women's Workshop on January, it's 20th, right? The yep, Saturday. The 20th. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we are going to all be there. We would love to meet all of you. So please come by, um, let us know what you think of this episode or any um, if you have any questions, it'll be a great way to connect. But Celeste is also in charge of one of the breakout sessions. So if you are signed up for the workshop, you know that Sandy Williamson has sent out the agenda and some of the breakout sessions. So can you first start out? I mean, we have a lot of different questions for you, like in regards to mental health, body image, um, post-show, all of that. But can you first like just give the listeners a brief idea if they would want to sign up for that breakout session, kind of what that will look like at the women's workshop? Definitely. So first of all, I'm so excited for it. As you know, this is like a dream come true for me. And um, my goal with this breakout session is to help competitors to see that mental health can be prioritized without sacrificing their goals. I think that our industry has grown a lot in recognition of the importance of mental health. But unfortunately, sometimes there's still that saturation of negative messaging that comes from preconceived notions or beliefs or even um, coaching practices or previous dieting practices. And it's something I just want to be able to create a space at the workshop to talk about. So we're going to talk about food relationship, body image, communication. We'll pretty much take a broad stance based on the people who attend the breakout and what they want to dive into. Uh, I've done this enough times now where I'm ready for anything. So I encourage you guys, if you do want to have a discussion on mental health, please consider attending my breakout session. 
It's in the afternoon, obviously on Saturday. You can sign up for it ahead of time too on the website. Um, there's a breakout session page where you can choose mine. It is the mental health breakout session. So if if you come, we're not just going to talk about, it's not just going to be me standing there like, hey, everybody, this is, you know, what everything's about. It's going to be hopefully interactive depending on if they allow that, which I believe they will, because I pretty much just get to host it as I want. So uh, yeah, it's going to be interactive and engaging. And I want to be able to foster conversations and connections and of course, educate, because at the end of the day, I think sometimes we hear one little golden nugget and we're like, that's what I needed for my journey, or that's the permission I needed, or, oh, that now explains my behavior or explains why I'm the way that I am. So I'm hoping to just bring some of that and bridge that gap in the industry. Yeah. And we've had you at several of our retreats, and I know you do a lot of different um, types of, you know, with different teams, you do these types of kind of talks where it's an immersive experience um, for like a full weekend. So if you haven't been on one of these, um, you know, we even did it like at the Angel Fashion Show at the Olympia um, the previous year. And it's just, it's a really good time to just talk with like-minded females that are going through the same struggles because odds are likely like if somebody brings something up, a lot of other people have been like dealing with that same issue. And I think you create a really safe space to share and communicate about those struggles and um, just kind of hearing other people going through it. It makes it, you almost feel better just in that realm of it to know like, okay, this is kind of normal. And then you give some really great tools and strategies on how to work through that. So thank you. That's the goal. I want to give things people can walk away with and apply, yeah. not just yeah. listen and be like, cool. And then not do anything with it. So my goal is exactly. for people to come and leave with some greater insight to how that could be applied. And like you said, even if I say something that someone thought was so insidious to them and not not normal, and then they realize like all these people are going through this and I yeah. can overcome it and I can be a better athlete because of it. Because I really think there's so many people who could become champions who don't because they haven't taken care of their mental health. And so Absolutely. they quit before they they could have been, I guess you could say, I think they're already great, but I think before they could have realized their full potential. Yeah, it's so funny. I was just doing a check-in with a client today and I was I was talking about, you know, this is improvement season where we do want to grow our body, but it's such a great time to also grow. I mean, one of the most important things is growing your mental strength, not just your physical strength. You can overcome so many things um, if you have a strong mind. So Lee Marie, why don't you kick it off and ask your first question that you have for uh, Celeste regarding mental health? I love it. Yeah. So we have like four different categories we're going to talk about. So mental health, body image, post-show, and then what you are kind of working on now and how people can work with you. So first, we're going to talk about mental health. And my first question is, do you think that most competitors start out in a good place mentally and are and, and their mental health suffers through, you know, like you said, bad coaching or just bad experiences in prep or, you know, getting to those levels of leanness for stage or um, and then, then just kind of why or why not? Or do you think competitors are just struggle with mental health in general? And that's kind of what drives us to compete. Does that make that's sense? Such, yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. It's such a complex and, and great question because 
on one hand, I believe there's a lot of people who get into competing because it serves their mental health, whether it's a crutch or something they turn to, or it's um, maybe an extreme version of something they've already found beneficial to their life as a lifestyle. So it's like, well, how much further can I take it? Or how much more can I immerse myself in this distraction? So I think in some ways people do come into it with difficulties. I also think competing itself is going to attract a certain personality. <laughs> uh, you're probably okay with maybe being hypercritical of yourself. You're already used to doing that. Maybe you demand excellence. And with the demand of excellence comes a perfectionist standpoint or an all or nothing type of mentality that maybe it's currently existing in other areas of your life. Or you don't have that control in other areas of your life and bodybuilding is like the key to that. So I would say there's a lot of preconditions that likely exist when someone enters competing that either makes it attractive to them or supports them. And then I think what happens is when you get into competing, let's say you do have a preconceived issue, whether that is a food relationship struggle or a body image related struggle, maybe, and that might look like I'm going to get into competing to resolve how my body looks. I'm going to be the revenge body, or uh, I'm going to go ahead and compete because that'll get me back on track. That'll get me where I need to go. Obviously, all these girls look so great. I should be like them. And you fall into that comparison trap. So that, that's how that might manifest in, in real life. Now you bring that into competing you're going to be more likely to engage in habits that are likely unsustainable for your long-term success unless you do have a great coach who can identify that pattern and say, red flag, that's not going to be our best bet. Now, unfortunately, there's still coaches, as you guys know, who exist that will take you to whatever limit to get you whatever results you want in an effort to satisfy your desires as a client and maybe hopefully keep your money in their pocket if we're being real about it, you know? And so you you are technically in a vulnerable position when you hire someone who's going to be monitoring and managing this. So that is a really key decision to make as a competitor. And unfortunately, when you don't know what's up from down, right from wrong, it's tempting to go with the route that seems the most promising and the most fast. It's tempting to say, I can commit, commit all in for the next 10 weeks, even though it's like you're only eating chicken and asparagus. Like <laughs> I have this thing that I always tell people, like you see people celebrate their results and you don't see their process. If we focus more on celebrating the process then we can see why they have the results that they do. And prioritizing that's important because there's people who will lose weight. Oh, well, you're they're taking a drug, you're on Ozempic, you're starving your body, you're not, so that causes issues. We don't want to celebrate that. So we need to get to a place where we are more focused on that process. And I think it can be difficult when you want something so bad and you haven't yet internally identified who you are or how it could affect your life or what you want it to bring to your life because you're so focused on what you're going to look like on stage. So I wouldn't say competing causes it. I think it can exacerbate certain issues. I think the wrong conditions for prep and post-show can exacerbate those issues as well or create, I think it could create them. Um, like anything, there's going to be red flags. If we can identify and proactively prepare to address them, we're probably in the clear. I would never discourage someone from competing out of fear for losing their mental health because I think there's so many approaches you can take that are going to actually benefit you more than limit you.
Absolutely. I love that too. Yeah. And um, we just wanted you to talk a little bit about how you help competitors during their prep with their mental health, as opposed to like maybe once they're going through post-show, because I know that you have a very popular like post-show type of program and things like that. But what can you tell us about what that looks like? I mean, you know, from knowing me like that I'm a year round type of person anyway. Um, the prep life is something that, you know, improvement season or during like a cut phase, those are all important parts of the journey and it needs to be year round. So what does that look like for competitors when you're working on their mental health during prep versus um, after a show? Well, when I started it, it was only for people post-show because I thought that's where the problem was. And then the more people I worked with post-show, I'm like, oh, your prep was terrible. Now I have a whole other world to dive into. And so the way that it looks in prep as opposed to improvement season is in improvement season, you have a bit more flexibility already. Maybe you've already kind of derailed some of your normal habits from prep and now you're getting the opportunity to redefine what this season is going to look like and what your next one is going to look like. You have more room to test at the expense of how your physique might look. Whereas in prep, you don't really have that. Um, Unless you're willing to move your timeline, which I would always tell people, if you haven't already paid for your show and everything, because some people will do that. I'm going to just say, don't do that right off the bat. Don't go pay for your hotel. Well, maybe your hotel, it's free cancellation. Yeah, but don't, you know, don't do your show fee and tanning and makeup and all those things that are non-refundable right off the bat because uh, right. I think it's better to have a moving target um, so you can bring your best and you never know what could happen. None of us are immune to this and you want to be prepared for it, like I said. So how does that look? Well, in a prep, I'm going to work with an athlete more specifically on their identity, their expectations, and how they're upholding those things and where there might be incongruencies. This is true in an improvement season too. The work isn't going to be vastly different, but it's less likely I'm going to take an approach of normalization or exposure with a client who's in prep because I, it, it's too high of a risk for their end result goal. Sure. Um, that's where I have a lot of respect from an athlete perspective. I'm not going to tell you don't finish the prep, but if you are engaging in really negative prep behaviors, I'm not going to be afraid to point them out either. Um, So in a prep, it might be like, oh, so you're struggling a lot with comparison. You're struggling a lot with your body image. You're struggling a lot with how clothes look on you or don't look on you. So maybe we need to identify how often are you body checking? Okay, well, that's constant. You wake up, first thing you do is check your abs. You go in the gym, first thing you do is you're checking for your pump. So let's tone that back. Let's see how can we address that. Maybe it's food. Maybe you're like, I have been really struggling emotionally around this time of day. I end up going off track or I'm too afraid to hit all this food my coach is telling me to eat because I don't feel like I'm lean enough, tight enough. So we're addressing a lot of those types of doubts and concerns and we're establishing trust we're establishing a reason to do this that's outside of physique. So we're looking at more variables like, okay, what are your values? How is this going to support you in upholding your values in your life versus molding your life to fit this goal of competing? We want competing to fit in your life. And that's really that perspective. I mean, I was going to say that's the prep life, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, yeah, just thinking about their core values and yeah, exactly. Love it. Lee, did you have a question um, that you wanted to ask? 
So I kind of just thought of something while you were talking about um, the whole being afraid to eat more, like if your coach is telling you to eat more or versus less, do you, when you're working with an athlete who is in prep or in the improvement season, do you ever have red flags with like, how much do they share about their specific preps with you? Do you ever have red flags as their mental health coach about their coach and like how do you bridge that gap or where are your boundaries with that if you do see someone like oh that's maybe a little bit of a red flag with your prep or with your off season how do you handle that I always take a question approach um I'll ask them what is the reason they're doing what they're doing or their coach is having them do what they're doing and if they know the reason and they're comfortable with the reason Awesome. If they're just doing it because their coach told them to, red flag. So that doesn't mean that their coach can't tell them what to do. Obviously, you hired your coach for a reason. But I think every athlete should know why their coach is telling them to do what they're doing. And if I've I've seen – because basically when I work with people, it's very intensive. So let's take my five-week food relationship program, for example. They're submitting every single day their process with eating. I see it all. I know what's going on. And part of the process is a a deep, intensive mindfulness approach to food because we're trying to change how they think before they eat. We're trying to change how they approach eating. So I get to see their thoughts leading into these meals and coming out of them and at the end of the day. So I'll start noticing a pattern. This supports my goals of getting leaner. This supports my goals of looking this way on stage. I'm like, what else does this support? What else is happening? Or I see nutritionally, because we ask about nutrition. So I'll say, what is what are you seeing nutritionally as being satisfied? And they'll say, well, I think this is going to give me energy. I'm like, how? What What is in it that's going to give you energy? What is it that you're – we want to shift the focus so much from that physique. Again, this is really what I'm trying to get at, to why you're doing what you're doing. So when I see something very, let's say, very strict – diet at a 14 week out phase I I that I will question unless they have other concerns but that's something that's why I ask why so if there is a concern that's between them and their coach I have worked in tandem with coaches before although it's not my preferred method because I'm there for the athlete and I would prefer the athlete to learn how to communicate with their coach and I've had an athletes say hey can you talk to my coach about this that we talked about today. I'm like, well, how would it sound if you talked to them about it? Well, I'm worried they're going to say this. Okay. So now we need to address the underlying fear or the underlying concern. So I love, that's the best part about counseling is it's just asking questions. I'm a very curious person. So we try to just get (laughs) to the bottom of it and figure out, okay, now we see what the issue is. Let's move forward and address it. So if I see a red flag, that's like, they're literally starving and they're barely eating anything, I'm going to tell them there may be a better approach. Or if they tell me like, my coach only lets me have salt on this day, I'm going to be like, well, if you don't mind researching some insight into the benefits of salt for your body, I think that would be really interesting for you. And maybe even some things that counter those beliefs. And I have them create their own pros and cons to what they're doing to, to identify Maybe there's some validity to this, or maybe there's not. Similarly, if they have an issue with what their coach is asking them to do, but it appears to be really balanced and great in my mind, but they're worried because it's too balanced. Now we're evaluating and exploring those beliefs too. That's good. Yeah, I think it really does boil down to having the coach that educates you and tells you why. 
is a really good sign of a good coach. Okay. So you mentioned before as well, um, that you run into a lot of people that think that they're the only one that struggles with their issues. So I just want to break that open and ask you as the coach, what are some of the most common struggles that you hear competitors have regarding their body image and do they change during, is it, different struggles during the off season versus during prep or does it just take a different look and it's kind of the same mental struggle that we struggle with all year round that's a really interesting way of putting it does it take on a different shape or is it the same i guess there's an underlying theme that's the same which is criticism and not compassion it's more so judgmental in nature uh maybe even to the point of hurting their life because their life now is wrapped around how they look versus how they feel, function, perform, exist in the world around them. So I would say that's like the common underlying theme, but in a prep, it's so much more of, am I going to be ready? Am I going to be ready? What if this happens? What if that happens? I don't want to do what I did last time on stage. I've never been ready. I always sabotage myself. I don't see this on my body and I think I should. <laughs> You're like, me. <laughs> <laughs> and then in an improvement season, it's, am I gaining too fast? Am I too far gone? So-and-so on such and such said, I should not gain more than X amount. Oh, this person was telling me I'm my coach is wrong for trying to bulk. Well, okay, their definition of bulk is very different than your coach feeding you the amount of food you need to be eating to restore your health, right? So it's it's a lot of questioning of themselves, doubting of themselves. And with the body image, I'd say that theme is what I mentioned earlier. But with coming out of a prep, what I think happens is your eyes haven't fully adjusted to what's really going on. So mm -hmm. you still got your prep goggles on and you're used to looking in the mirror, seeing more lines, more veins, maybe like you're super defined or you get a sick pump and then your improvement season comes. You're looking super solid generally those first two weeks. But if you're binging, if you're overeating, if you're struggling with your behaviors, that will influence how you see yourself. That is one of the number one things that I see. Probably the most common thing that I see is the people who are struggling in their behaviors have a harder time with how they look unless the weight is going down. If the weight is going down or they're getting leaner, suddenly they're okay with binging. They're okay with restriction. If the weight is going up or lines are disappearing, which is normal, as we know, uh, then they have a problem with it because their actions aren't actually aligned with the version of themselves they're trying to be. Do you find that that's different? Let's say it's, I mean, because obviously you're going to be eating more, your purpose is putting on muscle, getting back to a healthy place. So if someone is not struggling and the scale is going up, but it's, it, is there more peace of mind? Because I think so. Usually, yes. It doesn't mean it's necessarily easy for everyone. I think it is easier when you're acting in a way that you're happy with and proud of. It removes the, the guilt and shame. However, I think there's this part of body image that's often not maybe focused on by people or addressed when they're struggling with body image is also perceived look that they should be upholding. So body image is not just how you look. It's not just how you think about how you look. It's also how you think others think about how you look. It's also how you think you're supposed to look. So sometimes, even if you're doing all the right things, your body image gets affected by this belief that, well, I'm supposed to look this way. 
because I'm this many weeks post-show or I'm supposed to look like this person because I competed with them or I should look like this pro already. So those are the types of ways that even when you're doing everything you could, it's that part of body image of what you think you should be or what you've been or what others tell you to be and how you think others are viewing you that's going to affect you. Yeah. So how do you, what are some tips that you give people when they're just really struggling? I've noticed like a lot of people that have done like fall shows with Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's celebrations, they've just been really struggling, just being exposed to a lot of different things when their hormones, you know, aren't in a place where they're giving them the right signals. Like, you know, they're, they're feeling like they're very hungry just because they're not producing as much leptin. They're ghrelin super high. What are some tips that you give people um, that are struggling with those types of things? Well, that alone is really great to have a coach who understands that and can educate the client on that and say, this isn't maybe that you're crazy um, or unable to control yourself or undisciplined. That's usually where a competitor's mind go. Keep in mind, most of us competitors, we pride ourselves on being, you know, we're the 1% of the world, like we're yeah. this top dog. So, which can be a bit detrimental um, in some ways. Again, it's that extreme mentality. But during this time, if that's happening, especially post-show, what it tells me immediately is the competitor was not mindful enough in their prep. Now, granted, nothing you can do about that now. Your prep's come and gone. Next time, let's be more mindful about everything you're doing. Pay attention to more cues than just hitting your macros. Uh, that's where we want to be focusing on hunger. We want to be focusing on satiety. We want to be focusing on energy. We want to focus on timing of meals. And I think sometimes we narrow it so much down to a science that we forget there's that human aspect of it. There's mood, there's culture, there's connection, there's uh, enjoyment, yeah. there's trying something new or, or just satisfying a desire. And it's okay to do that. So here's what I have said. And these are going to be more, I guess, uh, implementable. One, did you want it before you saw it? Or do you only want it now that you've seen it? Ask yourself that question. This is great even if you work in like an office where there's all those yummy treats. Yeah, yeah. that's a great question to ask because I had a lot of clients this year in the in the holiday season. It's like, oh, I walk in the break room. There's donuts, there's cookies. Everyone's bringing us extra treats right now. And I'm like, but did you want it before? They're like, you know what? No. And I'm like, this is why advertising works, you know, because yeah. <laughs> we're going to see it and we're going to think about it. We're going to want it. So sometimes we just have to challenge what's really happening. And now if you do want it, you might actually really want it. You might see it and want it and have it. And that's okay too. But practice delayed gratification. So is allow yourself to have the cookie, but let's put it on a plate. Let's sit down to eat it. Let's enjoy it with somebody else. Or let's pay attention to the senses. How are you experiencing this versus I'm just going to shove it down my throat because I don't want anybody to see me eat this. It's like, no, let's Let's be like the Lindor commercials where she's like slowly unwrapping <laughs> the truffle, you know, and it's Love like it. very, it's a little not peachy. It's like PG-13, like be a little PG-13 with this sometimes and take it to the commercial route, you know, like that, have it be an experience. And then furthermore, if you are struggling during the holidays or that is something you've struggled with or even social events now that we're post-holidays. Another thing to consider is what is it that you're worried about? Are you worried about overeating? Are you worried about certain foods that'll be there? Are you worried about losing control? Identify the actual fear and then consider what can be done to either prevent this from happening or address it if it comes up. And we want to proactively address the roadblocks. What happens is 
we want to pretend like we're not going to experience it. So we put these blinders up like, well, I won't struggle with it this time. I'm going to be really, really good. But that doesn't give you any, you're not actually seeing it. You're just like, okay, it's not going to come up this time. If it's been there nine times out of 10, it's coming up. It's coming up. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't, cool. I don't know what happened. Something crazy. Uh, But if it's happened most of the time, it's going to come up again. Let's be prepared to address it. So, for example, if you're worried about being around pumpkin pie, you know, it's like your thing. It's this homemade pumpkin pie. Can't stop thinking about it. Start having it the week leading into it if you can. Start slowly incorporating it. You probably won't care about it. Or go to the store and get those little mini ones. Exposure is really great for increasing confidence and trust in yourself. And it reduces this feeling of I'll never have it again. Another thing, there's beauty in not having it again, right? There's a beauty in something being rare and something being limited edition. And when we try to get, oh, I have to have this. I'm going to miss out if I don't have it. We almost take away from its beauty and from its enjoyment because we're making it about fear and about if I don't have this, then I'm, I'm losing it. Instead, it's like, how can I really make the most of it while I have it? And if I can't have it right now, do I have proof that it will probably be back again? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I is- think Oreo and like crumble cookie really capitalize on that fear of missing out um, because they have the limited edition Oreos or like crumble cookie will like release their yep. flavor that they had for that week. And I've known competitors where they'll they'll be in prep and they'll like, buy the crumble cookie, like freeze it. And then they have a million of these like limited edition, like cookies sitting in their freezer. And at post show, they just consume all of them because they were like, Oh, I didn't want to miss out on that. But um, what are some strategies there? Just the exposure therapy type of thing where you're exposure for sure. Also, I I would recommend if you're already hoarding food in your breath, we got a problem. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Let's I'm not saying never buy the cookies again, but I'm very anti making lists on your phone of what you want to eat post show. I'm anti bringing treats backstage. Um, I'm anti saving things in your freezer. I've been there. I done that. I was the girl with like the mini suitcase backstage. Like I was ready to throw down post show. (laughs) And now I'm like, I could not care less. Get me a shower. Get me a nice bed. You know, I'm going (laughs) to eat something fresh. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to have a nice meal or I'm going to be like, no, I can't eat. But we have to remember we're athletes. So this would be another tip. We're athletes. At the end of your show and during your prep, you should be considering and planning for how do I recover from this as an athlete. If you just ran a marathon, you're going to fuel your body to support that recovery. You're going to probably take some Epsom salt bats, schedule some uh, recovery sessions, start incorporating those in your prep, but then also consider what that would look like post-show to really give yourself that reprieve from everything you've just done mentally, physically, and emotionally and spiritually into this prep. Yeah. I like how you mentioned, you know, being prepared and like thinking about the obstacles that you're going to have to overcome and planning in that sense, rather than, like you said, just kind of being robotic about it, knowing like, Hey, you know, this is the situation that's going to happen. Like, what are some strategies that I can think of ahead of time? Like, what are some things that I can do to prepare? I think those are really good tips because a lot of times that can create a lot of the anxiety is just like the, oh my gosh, I don't know how I'm going to react around like this huge buffet or whatever. Um, so I love that. Thank you. Did you have a question, Lee Marie? 
Yeah. So um, I have kind of a two, two part question um, that might, might wrap it up, but we'll see um, how, okay. So what do you feel? Because I feel like what you do is so unique and I feel like there are a lot of health coaches like you, a lot of mental health coaches around, but none that work specifically within such an intense sport as bodybuilding without just saying, you need to get out of it. It's too intense. You know, like that is the answer kind of thing. And so you're working within some, I mean, you might come in with somebody that has a goal and has to be on a restrictive diet and you're going to work on their mental health through that. I think that's incredible. So, but what do you feel like you bring to the bodybuilding industry that is unique to you? And then I want to know like how competitors can work with you. Cause I know people listening to this podcast are going to be like, this girl's a rock star. I need to work with her. (laughs) Well, thank you for that. That's a really great question. So I guess what really separates me is I care about the athlete as a whole. I want to see you win. I want to see you, if you're a pro, I want to see you get to the Olympia if that's what you want to do. If you're an amateur, I want to see you go pro if that's what you want to do. I want to see you realize your goals. And I care about you realizing those goals. And beyond that, I care about who you are off the stage and how your life is going. So some mental health professionals, yes, will take that extreme of just don't compete anymore, um, which I don't appreciate because you can't solve one extreme with another. That also creates the belief that what is to blame is the lifestyle Uh, which is hilarious to me when then counselors will tell people to live a healthier lifestyle, yet a competitor doing that every day suddenly shouldn't do that. Um, And and there's this judgment, I think, a lot of the times from mental health professionals on competitors that they're disordered before actually digging a bit further and understanding what's going on. I am not the type who's going to label you. I think it's actually really dangerous. And I wouldn't promote an identity upon you that you haven't desired to choose for yourself. So I'm probably not going to feed into your negative identity of yourself. I'm going to definitely focus on your strengths and empower you. And lastly, I've been doing this for a very long time. I think I was born to help people build more than just a body. I was doing build more than just a body before I knew bodybuilding. So for me, this is in my mission. This is like my purpose. So I care so much and I will do what I can to help. I've created so many resources for free that shouldn't be free because I care. And I want to see this actually change in the industry versus, and I hate, I don't want to knock other people, but I notice people saw what I was doing, tried to do it and left. So did they really care? Did they really understand it? I actually understand the behaviors on a psychological perspective and a personal one. I've been there, done that. Don't recommend it. But I also get it from a psych perspective. And because I pursued higher education, not saying that's going to make me better. Anyone can go get a degree and not not know what to do with it. Um, But I focused my efforts there. So I would say those things really set me apart. Ultimately, I don't want to be the best because I'm the only one doing it. I want to be the best because I'm genuinely the best. Yeah, I like from a business owner's perspective, just the fact that you've always stood true to making the athlete your priority when it comes to just being very neutral, Um, like, you know, with teams and different things like that. I think that it's 
it's really helpful for the coach to feel comfortable too that you're you're not like biased to like one team or anything like that, but you're really just like looking out for the athletes well-being and trying to work as one of those. I mean, it, I always say it takes a, a village to raise a bikini competitor and you're just part of like one of those multiple people in that village, you know? So I really appreciate that about you. Thank you. That's so nice to hear. I'm going to just quick antidote or anecdote. Antidote is a medication. Antidote is a story. So an <laughs> antidote. Um, they sound so similar. I had coaches who wanted to hire me exclusively. Yes. There's a reason I turned that down, you know, and like I've mm -hmm. worked directly with teams and coaches, but I'll never be exclusive to one because of exactly what you said. So to hear you recognize that, um, it means a lot to me, first of all. And second of all, I hope it means a lot to the athletes. Like I'll never trade being the best I can be for you for a paycheck or for more money or more security in all honesty to me like it's the mission that matters obviously i gotta pay my bills but and i'm not gonna sell myself short i've done a lot of work for this and i earned it however i am really committed for the athlete and i appreciate that you recognize that yeah i definitely have recognized that you're just a very genuine person and you i know that you do everything everything you just said you it's known to everyone that you care so much so i appreciate that about you um, okay. So what are you working on like for 2024? Is there anything new that you have coming around the bend that we should be aware of? Like any projects or, um, things? That yes. You passionate new about? projects. That's the, that's the word is endeavors, man. I feel like when people have been asking me what I'm excited about, even with like personal life stuff, I'm like, I don't know, but I, I, I see endeavors, you know, and like, I see these new things. So for one, I started a podcast studio in my house. So oh, wow. I'm going to launch something that I, you guys know I talk too much, but it's called <laughs> Confessions of a Bikini Pro Podcast Experience. It wouldn't make sense if it was shorter than that. So it's the experience. So <laughs> going to have pros come out, engage in an episode with me in person, but then we're going to record workouts. We're going to record them making their favorite meal. It's going to be oh, a wow. full like deep dive. So I built a studio. Um, I've got cool. all the cameras. It's a huge investment, but Again, this yeah. is about giving back. I just want more competitors to see their value and their worth beyond a title, you know, potentially. So that's something that I'm looking forward to. And then, cool. um, thank you. And then I would like to start, whether or not this happens this year, I'm not overcommitted to it. Like my rope is not tight, um, but I, I would like to see it happen. I launched a psychoeducation and support group that's going to meet two times a year in person here. Um, and that's going to also, it's going to be a 10 month experience. So it, if you guys are wanting to inquire about that, now would be the time to do it because I'm either going to pull the trigger on it or not. I've got a couple people committed to it, but I need to have, you know, at least three to five to really make it worthwhile. So that's going to be a group mm -hmm. counseling experience. And okay. yeah, aside and from you're that. You're located where now? Just so South Carolina, know. Greenville, South Carolina. Yeah, and at the beginning, before we were off air, you I heard a little you all. I did <laughs> that like, for fun. Like, I was like, I'm gonna say y'all. I'm gonna say I'm gonna get on that phone and say sup y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Okay, well, before we close out, was there anything that we didn't ask you that you would like to share with the audience? 
No, not at all. You guys are awesome. And I appreciate you bringing me on again. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, I'm excited to see you in less than three weeks. Woo! Um, it's always <laughs> a fun time just to get the whole community together. So I think it's going to be an awesome event. Um, I know it's been sold out for a long time. So if you have your tickets, we're excited to see you all there. And thank you so much for your time today, Celeste. If people want to reach out to you and find you, what's your um, Instagram handle or ways that they could get a hold of you? Instagram is at celestial underscore fit. The website is www.celestial.fit. Awesome. And you can find us on at Prep Life Podcast or at Glam Girl Bikini. You feel free to tag us on your story and Celeste and let her know what you thought of this episode. Any sort of readings, reviews are always helpful for other people that are interested in similar topics. So if you can pass that on, we try to keep this podcast ad free. So that's just one way to pay it forward to other listeners. And if you are interested in joining our team, you can go to glamgirlbikini.com and hit the Get Started button. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you so much, Celeste, for your time. Thank you.